This is Life in Progress, a therapy podcast with your host, Navart Wilborn. I'm a licensed professional counselor, and we're going to be having some honest conversations about life struggles, both the day-to-day struggles and more serious hardships. Please remember that this podcast and all affiliated programs are not a substitute for therapy. So if you're struggling, please reach out to a therapist in your area and get the support you need. Thanks for joining me. So last week, I talked about how hard change can be and how hard it is to adjust to and accept change. Today's topic branches off of that one a little bit. We all experience change, right? It's just part of life. But something that many of us also do is fear the possibility of change. And that, in essence, is one of the definitions of anxiety. Anxiety can be defined in a few different ways. It really just depends on what we're talking about. But one of the definitions is the worry that something is going to happen before it actually happens. So if you're laying in bed at night trying to fall asleep and you're thinking about the things you have to do tomorrow or just worrying about something or someone in your life, it could be something, you know, in your family, that's something that's going on in your family, um, something that's directly affecting your life, or it could be something bigger, something in the world, politics, the weather, um, you know, it could be uh, worrying that you have to get something done or that you're going to forget to do something. There's so many things that we worry will happen, right? Some worries are really logical, like if you're traveling tomorrow and the weather forecast um, is showing storms, then you might worry that your flight might get delayed or canceled. Well, this worry is based on reality, so it's logical that you might have a concern about it. If um, you have a final exam tomorrow and you haven't really studied for it, then it would be logical for you to worry that you may not do very well in your exam. But other worries aren't as logical. If you have a regular yearly appointment with your doctor, for example, just like a checkup, a regular yearly checkup, um, and you're anxious because you're worried that you might find out that you have a terminal illness, well, that's not really logical. It's not based on evidence of anything. So there's no really no reason to think that that would be the outcome of the appointment because you're not sick, you're not showing symptoms of an illness of any kind. So, you know, if you're just going for a checkup, not really a reason to think you're going to get a terminal diagnosis. Another exam example. So if you have an exam tomorrow and you've gotten A's on every exam in this class so far, you know you've studied for this exam, then worrying that you're going to fail is not really a logical worry. But the thing with anxiety is that whether it's logical or not, it's difficult to control it in the moment. The logical ones are a little easier to control, but it really just depends on what the issue is and how you handle anxiety. Some people can quickly rationalize a worry and get themselves through it, while others can't really do it as easily. Some people get so wrapped up in their worry that they spend so much time dwelling on it to the point where it starts taking up so much room in their minds and becomes one of the loudest thoughts in their heads. So we talked last week about how to deal with change when it comes, but what do we do about the things that we worry might change? What if you have serious anxiety or worries about your health and safety, or your child's health, your parents' health, or your significant other's health and safety? What if this worry is not based on anything logical because everyone is healthy, everyone's safe, but you constantly worry that something bad will happen? 
What if you have serious anxiety or worries that your friends don't like you or that your significant other is going to cheat on you, but there's absolutely no evidence of it or a reason to question that, that thing or those things? And that worry is not based on anything logical. But anxiety is fear-based. It's the worry or anticipation that something bad is going to happen. Then you think about it so much that you feel it so deeply and you can't escape it or convince yourself that it's not real or that it's not going to happen. And that feeling when it's so strong can get in, in the way of everything that you do. It just takes over. You know, and the thing about anxiety is that everyone has anxiety. It's just a basic emotion that we all experience. Most of the time, it's really important and helpful, and it does exist to protect us. For example, if you're driving and a car in the lane next to you doesn't see you and starts kind of slowly coming into your lane, then that feeling that you get when you panic and swerve out of the way to avoid getting hit, that's anxiety. But it's very functional anxiety because it activates a flight response to get you out of a dangerous situation. You've probably heard of flight, fight, or freeze, right? Those are three of the reactions that your body has to help you avoid danger. You leave a danger or stand up to a danger or sometimes you just freeze in place because you, you can't react. So having anxiety is important to detecting a threat and helping you survive. But anxiety only becomes a problem when you start to experience it at a time when there is no threat. So anxiety is essentially having an excessive worry about something. Well, that's one of the definitions, right? It's excessive worry. And some people experience this in situations that are really highly stressful, but other people experience it when very you know on a on a regular basis it just is a common thing that they struggle with because they may have a more general type of anxiety the interesting though uh, interesting thing though is that many people who have anxiety and have excessive worry on a regular basis they don't realize that what they actually have is anxiety they think that this is just the way their brain works and even though it's exhausting they don't know to question if this is something that other people deal with or not i know a lot of people who only realized through conversations with me about the way their thoughts are that they had anxiety i was able to help give it a name that they didn't realize fit what they were struggling with but for most people just giving it a name and starting to understand the worries and thoughts that they have can be enough to help them start working on challenging it, overcoming it. Um, basically, they develop coping skills. Right? It's not easy. It takes time and it takes a lot of practice. But then there are people, um, other people who try to understand it and manage it, but unfortunately, they just can't do it with the help of a professional or medication in some situations. Some people have severe anxiety that is rooted in trauma um, or they maybe still live in a situation that's causing the anxiety. So rationalizing it and learning coping skills just isn't quite enough to manage it. So for example, if you are caring for a sick parent or a child, you can never really fully overcome your anxiety and your struggles with it because your life is centered around the person or around the situation that's causing your anxiety. 
Another example um, is with first responders or active military. We see this a lot. They're constantly living in a state of heightened anxiety and danger. So it's really hard to ever find a, a baseline of no anxiety because their day-to-day -day life has bursts of danger that come out of nowhere constantly. So unfortunately, it's harder for people who have life circumstances that present chronic stress because um, that can lead to chronic anxiety. It can be managed, but it requires more long-term effort. And like I said, in some cases, it requires medication. I do believe strongly in understanding what's causing the anxiety because that usually helps us figure out what we can do about it. Um, many people are super self-aware and can pinpoint what they're worried about. But honestly, I find that many people just aren't as self-aware. It's not because they don't want to be. It's just that in some cases, people don't connect things in their lives enough to understand that those things could be causing anxiety. A lot of people don't even understand the symptoms of anxiety, honestly. And like I said earlier, some people who are just used to having racing thoughts all the time, whose minds are always running with worry, they don't realize that that isn't actually the norm and that maybe there's something wrong. And sure, you know, a lot of people have that and um, a lot of people have racing thoughts. So it's not always anxiety. Sometimes it can be the symptom of something else. It can be um, maybe something like ADD um, or depression or other things. And a lot of the times it can be caused by anxiety and sometimes it's not caused by anxiety. It can be something else. So understanding it, naming it, it's not an excuse to hide behind. It's not a reason to have anxiety or to just kind of go on living with these racing thoughts and these struggles, but it's really helpful to understand it and work through it. So we can't blame anxiety for why we can't do something or why we feel like we have to avoid a situation, but labeling it in that sense needs to help us work towards managing it. And managing, it looks different for every person. Some people just talk it out and then they're good to go. Other people need to journal or have an outlet like exercise, or some people need distraction. Um, other people need to solve the issue in their lives that's causing anxiety. And um, like, for example, some people need to quit the job that is really toxic or end the relationship that they're in or friendship that's really unhealthy that could be causing the anxiety. Some people have um, negative coping skills like overeating, undereating, um, drug use, excessive spending, or other risky behaviors. Um, there are a lot of things involved in coping and managing anxiety, but it's not a one-size-fits-all. It never is, right? And anyone or any family member, or friend, or therapist, anyone who tells you that what works for another person will absolutely work for you, doesn't know what they're talking about and you probably should never take their advice again. Some things that work for other people will work for you, but every person is different. Every person has to have a tailored approach that is specific to them for how to manage anxiety or really how to deal with anything. If you have worries that get in the way, that are always on your mind, that keep you from sleeping, focusing, enjoying things, or that just take up more space in your mind than you wish they did, then I want you to consider that maybe these should not be so dominant, that maybe you need to find a way to make these quieter. 
that maybe there's a possibility that you can lessen that load and find relief for them. It doesn't mean that coping with anxiety will always make the thoughts go away, but the goal is to make them more manageable and less disruptive and less intrusive. The way I like to think about it is actually it's like music. So imagine you're in your car and there's a song on the radio that you kind of like or you don't really mind it much, but it's playing on the radio, but it's just too loud. It starts to feel annoying and just overstimulating. Have you ever heard that term, I can't hear myself think? Well, that's something that we say when something is too loud and it's flooding our brain. So going back to that music example, now imagine you're in that car, you're hearing that song that's just a little too loud, and imagine feeling irritated by it, and then you just turn it down a little bit. You still hear it, but it's just more quiet and bearable. Instantly, that annoyance and that overstimulation just goes away. You can hear it at a much more enjoyable volume. It's not overwhelming. It's not overstimulating. It's there, but it's not overwhelming. So that's how I like to think about managing thoughts. The thoughts are still there, but they don't feel so overwhelming. You can ignore them or tune them out a little bit more easily, and they don't take up all the space in your mind. So if the music is too loud, turn it down. If your thoughts are too loud, you need to work on turning them down. If you don't always understand what causes your worries and your thoughts that stress you out, then take the time to think about it. Make a list of your worries. And actually, I made you a handout for this, so I'll tell you a little bit more about that at the end of the episode. Um, so yeah, make a list of your worries and then ask yourself what you can do about each one of those items on your list. Is worrying about it logical or is it illogical? A lot of the time, the solution's pretty simple. You just don't stop long enough to consider the details. We just you know, live with the noise and push through it when we need to stop and think about a way to turn it down. If the item on your list has no solution, then it's likely that it's something that's out of your control. So you need to be honest with yourself and help yourself understand that worrying about, it, about that particular thing is not going to change it. Worrying about it will only make you miss out on the things that are going on in your life today. So try writing down the worry and writing down that you can't do anything about it because it's out of your control. Make a decision to accept that you can't do anything about it and that you have to move on to something else in that moment. Distract yourself, work, read a book, watch a show, play a game, talk to someone, do something fun. If addressing the issue itself is not an option, do something unrelated to it so that you can fill your mind with something different. Isn't that the strategy we use with kids? It's called redirection. When a small child is mad about something that they didn't get, they didn't get their way, we try to distract them and we redirect them to something else. And most of the time it works. Yeah, you know, the older, more developed brain is more complex, but honestly, when it comes to distraction and redirection, it's not that different. I don't want you to think that I'm simplifying all anxiety to um, redirection, but if, you know, if it was, I can just think if it was that easy, then we'd all be in a better headspace, right? So I'm not simplifying it. I'm not downplaying it. Um, many things that cause anxiety 
can be resolved by directly addressing the worry and challenging it and finding a more logical way to look at it. But many of the things that cause anxiety can be resolved by talking it out and getting it off your chest. And then many things that cause anxiety can be resolved by doing something to push through or overcome the situation leading to anxiety. So those are all ways that we cope. But a way that we also cope is that we don't dwell on it. We make a decision to intentionally do something else that draws attention away from it. So some coping skills involve directly addressing it and directly trying to resolve it. Some um, coping skills involve trying to push it out of your mind and not dwell on it. And then a lot of it is just do something different. Focus on something different. Don't let it take up as much of your time by trying to distract yourself from it. Intentionally distract yourself from it. So if you pull up a chair and invite your anxiety to sit down for dinner, then you're making a decision to let it take up space in your mind. But if you challenge it and you push it away, you do something about it, then you have a better chance at overcoming it and not letting it dictate your life. Coping skills are just things that we do. It's just a fancy word for things. You know, there's steps we take to feel better about something. And, um, you know, you have to think about what makes you feel better. Those things that make you feel better are usually the things that will help you get through anxiety and worry. But just like anything, trying it once isn't gonna fix it. You have to practice. You have to try different strategies and you have to try them over and over. And eventually you'll get better at challenging the anxiety and pushing it away. So I made you a free handout that I mentioned earlier um, and it will help you hopefully manage your anxiety. It will help you identify what you're worried about and it will help you challenge each specific item by really looking at if it's a logical worry or if it's not a logical worry and it will help you think of the steps that you can take to challenge each one of those anxious thoughts and to figure out a way to move through it. So if you'd like to download the handout, I want you to go to thetherapypodcast.com forward slash anxiety handout. And I'm also going to link to it in the show notes in the little description of what this episode's about. And you can also download it straight from my website, which is www.navartwilborn.com. So again, if you want to go directly to where you can download it, it's thetherapypodcast.com forward slash anxiety handout. You will be asked to subscribe to the list to be able to get it. Once you subscribe to my email list, you're immediately going to get an email with that handout. You can print it out. You can send it to people, however you want to do it. All right. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye.